Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Today on the show, Marvin Jones was a top five wide receiver in non-PPR and top 12 in PPR just two seasons ago. Does anyone want Marvin Jones this season? And down the stretch last year, Philip Lindsay had more carries than Royce Freeman in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, and inside the 5. We're going to talk about the Broncos' backs. Speaking of the Broncos, they start training camp today. So, happy training camp day, everybody. I'm Adam Azer. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Dave, Jamie, Heath, what's up, dudes? Oh, yeah. I thought they started on July 17th. I think they start practicing on July 18th. Is this one of those things where we record one day, but it's airing a different day, so it's actually airing yesterday? (laughs) No, they started on Thursday. That's their training camp day. No? Well, they they reported yesterday. The training camp opened for the Broncos on July 17th. When did they start practicing? Today. I don't think they started practicing yet. Today. I don't care that they sat together and had lunch. They are practicing today. Training camp has begun. We're going to talk about some training camp storylines. You know who's there? Who's there? Drink. Oh, he's there, Prisco. All right. Uh, ben Gretsch is here. Ben, we have a five-man show today. I don't know that we've ever done this, so you have to make sure it's good. Pressure's on. Man, man is a little sketchy. <laughs> five-person show. <laughs> What's up, Ben? More men than a host. <laughs> I, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm happy to be on. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of voices running around on here. Yeah, yeah. And your voice is going to be featured because I asked you, to uh, come up with some interesting stats to present to the group, and we'll have them react to it. Stats on Jarvis Landry, Devontae Freeman, and James White. A few guys that slip in some drafts sometimes, and I don't really I, like. I don't take them, but I don't really know why. So I, I came up with some stats. I want to get some some advice on them. Oh well, you've come to the right place. Okay, four men. Let's let's get a training camp battle to watch. Also today, we're going to talk about draft strategies in different formats. Non-PPR, half-PPR, full-PPR, 10, 12, 14 teams. And we'll see if we have time for rankings, disputes, and some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is our last show of this week, but we have five next week and then throughout the season. In fact, we'll have six during the regular season. Tell your friends, Fantasy Football Today. All right, so training camp battles to watch. We have a couple of articles on the website for you to read about these types of things. Uh, Ben, I'm going to start with you, and I know you want to talk about the 49ers backfield. And who is going to be really the number two guy there? Not something we talk about much, but interesting. What are you looking for in San Francisco? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we can pretty much expect that they're going to use at least two backs, right? And I, as far as drafters go right now, and as far as as far as uh, ADP is going, and, and how drafts are going, it seems like drafters believe that Tevin Coleman's going to be the lead back, and, and Jerick McKinnon is the more likely number two, which is kind of just pushing Matt Breida away. I, I personally really like Matt Breed. I think he was, I mean, he was fantastic last year. He's at, I, I believe it's 5.0 yards per carry for his career. Now he was even better last year. He was a very efficient in the passing game last year on a bad team, you know, without Jimmy Garoppolo it, uh, under center for the majority of the season. And he's just uh, 24 years old. Uh, compare him to Jarek McKinnon, who's now uh, 27, I think. Um, they're interesting. They're, they're both Similar players. Jarek McKinnon is essentially like a 99th percentile spark athlete, but Matt Breda is like an 89th percentile spark athlete. He's a very, very good athlete. Definitely has like playmaking, game-breaking ability. 
And with McKinnon coming off the ACL tear, I know he has a huge contract, but they signed him before that injury. They signed him before Matt Breida had a, a really strong 2018. And then Tevin Coleman, I, I even think drafters are maybe a little bit too confident in him being the number one. Um, definitely has the ties to Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a very, very talented back. But there was a time when I thought in the 2019 offseason he would get a really significant contract. He only got a two-year $8.5 million deal and no dead money after this year. Um, kind of interesting. It's a it, it's a backfield I'm definitely going to have my eyes on throughout August. Yeah, but do we want do we want to draft these guys, Dave, Jamie, Heath? I mean, you know, Tevin Coleman is going first in our drafts and in drafts in general. Um, but do you want to avoid this backfield or or get some pieces? I'm not trying to get pieces of this backfield. Coleman's the one that I'm the most excited about, just because he's the healthiest. He's got a nice track record. He's familiar with Kyle Shanahan, and he's the best suited to... Honestly, I think he's suited to play any down and distance, but certainly work the goal line. I agree with Ben. There's going to be two running backs used here. My hunch going into camp, assuming that McKinnon is healthy, is that McKinnon will be the second guy, and then once he breaks down, it'll be Breida. Breida's kind of the backup for both McK- for uh, Coleman and McKinnon. Breida's the best best ball guy, though, because you're getting him the last. Yeah, I... I- well, I think that's true. I, we've definitely had some drafts here lately, I think, where Breed has gone before McKinnon in some of our drafts. So I'm, I'm fine with drafting the guy who goes last. I do have interest in all three of them. Even in just a standard league, I think it's a good 13th, 12th, 13th round pick to get one of these guys if you can. McKinnon seems to fall further in our drafts than he does a lot of others. All right, looking at Fantasy Football Calculator, half PPR ADP, Tevin Coleman 69th, Jarek McKinnon 110th overall, and Breed 154th overall. Our next storyline. Let's see who's next. Let's do. Uh, let's do Dave Richard. We're looking yes. at a, another backfield in the NFC West. What do you want to see out of the Seattle camp? I want to see which back is the better back. We know that Pete Carroll craves competition. He wants it from every position on his team, and he's going to go with the running back who performs the best in practice. And in the preseason, this is one that we're going to be able to watch and read reports on and have a pretty good idea on whether it's going to be Chris Carson to lead the way or whether it's going to be Rashad Penny who leads the way. I think both are going to play. And I think both are pretty interchangeable. They both have metrics that are very similar in terms of simple stuff, yards per carry, yards per catch, catch rate. But it's just a matter of who's going to get 14 touches a game versus who's going to get six touches per game. Yeah. So... Chris Carson just he was so good last year. He had 9 games with 14 or more carries or more than 14 carries I should say. And he averaged 16.1 fantasy points per game in non-PPR, 17.7 in PPR. Would have been a top 6 back based on, you know, his 16 game pace in those 9 games with more than 14 carries. So let's look up some draft value guys and tell me who you'd rather have at their current ADP. Chris Carson 47th overall or Rashad Penny, 75th overall. Well, Jamie, you start with you. Who do you like better at their ADPs? Oh, Penny, it's not close. I, I'm not touching Chris Carson in the fourth round, and probably not in the fifth round, certainly in PPR. I, I just think that everything that you look for for Rashad Penny, he's checking off the boxes. He's in better shape. He's should, I don't know this, obviously I'm not in his head, but should have a better understanding of the offense. At least he's showing that, in, in, in or, or per, that's the perception. Um, and Carson's not healthy, you know, Carson's dealing with this knee injury. So everything that sort of went awry for him last year with the finger injury that kept him off the field in training camp is working the opposite direction because Carson's not there. 
So we'll see how long Carson is, is uh, you know, dealing with this knee injury. If it keeps him off the field in any part of camp, it's only going to help Penny's cut, uh, case. I, I will certainly take the the value here with Penny, uh, especially if I'm getting him in the 70s. Okay. Heath, 75th overall for Penny, 48, 47th I don't, overall I don't, for Carson. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find anybody that says Carson's a better uh, value. Okay. Um, I think we're all going to say the same exact thing. All right, then. Let's yep. move on to our third trading camp battle. I, I, I do want to throw in one note, though. Uh, sure. Mike Davis last year actually led the backfield in targets with 42, and I think Penny's probably better suited to the pass game work, so that's just another reason to like him. All right, we got a wide receiver battle. Look at Jamie Green Bay. I mean, it's the second guy. You know, who's going to be the number two guy behind Devontae Adams? Not necessarily in terms of who's on the field. I think both guys in terms of Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Gantling will play. But who's going to be second in targets? You've heard differing things, you know, whether it's the coach, quarterback, other receivers, you know, talk glowingly about each guy. Uh, as we saw last year, Allison, really only four healthy games. If you project those four healthy games over 16 games, it's our favorite thing to do. Uh, but he would have just been a star, 76 catches, 1156 yards, eight touchdowns. In six of the 12 games that you had Valdez Scantling play without Allison, he had double digits in PPR in six of those. So uh, I, I really think it comes down to who's the slot guy who ends up playing in that role, replacing Randall Cobb. Um, my guess is going to be Allison, but what I've tried to do, for the most part unsuccessfully, but it, I, I've considered it almost every time I get to that round seven, round eight range. I don't take them there, but that's where it, I start to – it crosses my mind. Try and get both, uh, you know, the friendship strategy in essence with, with the two Packers guys because – if one emerges, you're great, and you know it could be a situation where you know you may be alternating them throughout the course of the season. But uh, I don't think Devontae Adams is getting all the targets. He's going to get a lot, but somebody's going to be a, a pretty decent fantasy option here between those two guys. I think Allison's going to win the slot role. The question's just going to be, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more targets. The question's going to be whether Valdez Scantling can be that much more efficient, and whether he's more used in the red zone, which I think he might be. I would love to get both at some point. I it's never really seems like it's possible because as soon as one of them goes, right. someone else takes the other one. I don't know if it's even that great of an idea, to be honest, because we do think Aaron Jones can see an uptick in catches out of the backfield. Jimmy Graham is still on this team. I know no one wants to draft Jimmy Graham, but tight end has been a big part of the West Coast offense forever. That's what Matt LaFleur is bringing, and he must see something in Jimmy Graham to keep him involved. I, I, I like the I like the concept of Geronimo in the slot. It reminds me of Cooper Cup, Mo Sanu, tall slot receivers who can make some easy plays in single coverage. And so Allison's the one I'm going for. I'm not really even thinking about MVS at this point. It's funny because his ADP is higher. MVS? Yeah. 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 Allison was way higher until the report came out that MVS is this number two. Um it's funny, and that made that made me like Allison more. Just thinking about the slot. Yeah, it just him. depends. Are we talking Randall Cobb of five years ago or Randall Cobb of the last three years? Because he's been useless. Right. It, and it's, it's you know, it's who do you want to believe? You know, or who do you want to believe the story's about? Do you want to believe them liking Allison more? Or there's certainly been more smoke in MVS's direction. So well, and uh, when you look at the breakouts in the past in the Packers uh, wide receiver core that have kind of come out of nowhere, Randall Cobb's obviously a good a, a good example to draw back to, but the Heath mentioned the red zone role, the high touchdown rate spikes that we've seen from guys like James Jones, Devonte Adams breaking out after a couple bad years, uh, opposite Jordy Nelson. Sometimes it's been that second outside receiver as well. The coverage kind of goes the other way. You know, 
to the number one or to the slot. And then this second outside guy ends up being somebody that, that Rogers finds in, in the red zone for some big TD seasons as well. I think the touchdowns is a big part of it because Rogers has had a number of receivers that have broken out throughout his career with just some ridiculous TD rates. All right, finally, uh, final note on this. Geronimo Allison averaged 14.5 points per game in those four games that Jamie referenced. Uh, that 14.5 points per game in PPR, that would have been good enough to be 22nd last year. Uh, 14.5 points per game, 22nd in PPR. All right, our final training camp battle that we're going to talk about is in Tampa Bay. Heath, who's going to win that Tampa Bay running back job? Oh, nobody knows that. Uh, but it is the most exciting uh, camp battle, I believe. Listen, uh, if you listen to anyone in Tampa Bay or any of the writers that cover that team, it, it certainly sounds like they all expect Peyton Barber to not only be the starter at the start of camp, but to be the starter at the start of week one. And they don't anticipate Ronald Jones taking the job away. If you listen to anyone almost in the fantasy industry, especially someone on this podcast, Ben, uh, you will hear Ronald Jones needs to be the starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It doesn't matter that he was one of the worst rookie running backs ever because he was hurt part of the year and it was a small sample size and he's still very, very talented and you should just trust his talent. And then if you listen to me, I just hope that Bruce gets a chance because uh, Bruce Anderson is free on draft day. I took him in our pick by pick series uh, in the 14th round. There's been a little bit of buzz about him. There's been more buzz coming out of camp about Ronald Jones it's going to be fascinating to watch. If I had to handicap it right now, I would still say Peyton Barber starts week one and leads the team in touches. And Ronald Jones is going ahead and looking at the ADP. Ronald Jones is going 93rd overall. Peyton Barber, 122nd overall. Do you guys like those ADPs? I do for Jones. I mean, I, I am getting a little bit concerned about Jones, but uh, the reason I keep grabbing him in, in like a lot of our mocks and stuff is like when you get to that range, well, first of all, I, I tend to fade running backs in in like the rounds three to five or six range and, and kind of stock up on receivers, maybe get an elite tight end, depending on, you know, where I'm at. When I get to that range, there's not a lot of running backs that I think can pretty easily that I can kind of tell myself a story could pretty easily be the lead back and be a really productive uh, lead back for their offense. And and I think Jones could very well be that. The, the fact that they didn't bring in a ton of competition, didn't spend a lot of free agency money or uh, draft capital to bring in a running back to me is more of a vote in confidence in Ron Jones, who was their second round pick last year than it would be in Peyton Barber, who was, you know, a former UDFA who has like, I think a 3.8 yards per carry average over his three years. He's not really been good. I mean, he had over 250 touches last year and didn't even hit a thousand total yards. I mean, that's like, yeah, re- that's like below not replacement good. level stuff. Like it's really bad. And I don't, I don't disagree with anything Ben's saying. It's just the counter argument to that is, he was so bad, and Ronald Jones was still considerably worse than him. Well, I think it's almost like he's like a poor man's Rashad Penny to me because Penny didn't know what he was doing. But Penny just, figured it out. I don't know if Penny figured it out. I think Penny's athleticism just kind of shined through on a team that was a little bit better at running the ball. Um, I, I think if you're – the way I approach it is I want the guy with the highest ceiling, and it may be Bruce Anderson. We just, we just don't know. But I don't think that if both guys – everything works out well, Ronald Jones should destroy Peyton Barber. If he gets it and if he's right, but it's just a matter of will he get it and will he be right? I don't like the fact that he gained weight. I hate when a running yeah, back gains weight. I don't you know, like the fact either. that he the fact that he bulked up because I, I mean, you know, Ben, we've, we've been fighting for Ronald Jones in a few of these drafts. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just really makes me nervous when a guy who small hands got bigger, you know, the only thing that's sort of 
still the saving grace is the other guys on the roster and what everybody's saying about him. They want him to be the guy. It's very clear. Bruce Arians, James Winston, I'm sure Jason Light, the general manager, they want him to be the guy because otherwise it's just another second-round pick that they've wasted for the second year or two of the last three years. To Heath's point about how Jones has been a lot worse, I mean, I know I keep harping on this, but there's a big difference between Peyton Barber being really bad replacement level with over 250 touches and Ron Jones being worse on 30 touches. Like that, that's The sample size there is massively different. We know Peyton Barber's nothing. We don't really know about Ronald Jones. Yeah, yeah, Heath, take that. I'm sorry, I'm not well, in on those fights to get Ronald Jones. I would just say that that's true. Jones. The game sample size we have, but there's a reason that, like, part of the reason Ronald Jones got 30 touches is because of injuries. Part of it's because they could trust. Sure. He was bad in practice right, too. They, they he was bad in the preseason on the touches he got last year. I mean, it's true. I mean, the sample size isn't just 30 touches. Like, he was bad in other in other ways as well. But it's still small, you know. Okay. Let's wrap on that and recapping the uh, training camp battles that we talked about. Again, there are more on the website, but uh, the Green Bay wide receivers, the Tampa Bay running backs, the San Francisco running backs, and Chris Carson and Rashad Penny in Seattle. Some things you need to know about. CBS Sports HQ beginning on Monday. Fantasy Football Today, the video version, is at noon Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. How do you watch HQ? You download the CBS Sports app, and that's free. Everything's free. You don't have to sign up or anything. You put it on your Roku, your Apple TV, your Amazon Fire, anything, any smart TV or app that you use, and you can watch it in your living room. It's awesome. Uh, and we have other podcasts that you need to know about, like the Pick 6 podcast for all you football fans, a daily NFL show. Uh, go to cbssports.com slash podcast or podcasts. Either one will get you there and get our complete listing. When Adam, we, just for, uh, yeah. for FFT, um, for all of training camp, we are going to have every day, Someone of our, uh, one of our colleagues at a camp. We're going to have players from those respective teams on our shows. Uh, we're going to have some beat writers mixed in. It's going to be really fun getting you ready for your draft prep. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, you know, yeah. just working with the producers and the things that we're doing. It's going to be really, really cool, the stuff that we have on our video program. Right. And FFT has been going on for a long time, and we've never really had stuff like that or, or infrequently. So, a lot being put into it. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be very helpful for you guys. That's on HQ at noon Eastern, Monday through Friday, beginning next week. It's basically an extension of this. Yeah, only with like, with guests. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Freeman, James White, some fun stats from Ben when we come back. We also have some news and notes and the most interesting draft picks in our 12-team non-PPR mock draft that we did on Monday night, including Marvin Jones, 100th overall. Stick around. Much more FFT to come right after this. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating. I love that. Available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, Ben Gretsch, how you feeling about your uh, your killer stats today? I mean, I'm uh, I'm feeling all right about the stats. I'm 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 not sure what to feel about the players. I mean, these are guys. I think I mentioned at the top that they fall, and I I find myself passing on them still sometimes when they do fall. But I don't like I don't have any conviction in that. There's some players that I'm very clearly avoiding even when they fall. But these guys, I'm just like maybe I should take them here, but I just wind up not grabbing them in enough leagues. You know, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Freeman, they're not the, you know, the sexiest names are kind of boring, but they're, they're guys that, you, you know, you, they kind of slip through the cracks and they could potentially provide some value. So they're, they're interesting guys, I think, to think about. I'm pretty pumped about Devontae Freeman. I'm probably going to be the most pumped about Devontae Freeman, but let's start with Jarvis Landry. If you heard our projections episodes a couple of weeks ago, you heard the ADOT stat, average depth of target. So that's what we're going to talk about with Landry. Just explain this stat. It doesn't require much explanation. And what you noticed with Landry last year. Yeah, so average depth is just how far down the field the throw is, not like how far the ball traveled, but how many yard lines it moved from the line of scrimmage. So if you throw a first and 10 pass to the sticks, it's a 10, you know, it's got 10 yards of depth. And then it's the average of all those depths for Jarvis Landry in his four years in Miami. He was a slot receiver. He saw a lot of underneath targets. Um, his highest average depth of target in that time in those four seasons for, for a given season was 7.7. 7. Uh, the other three seasons were all, I think, below 6.4. They were all just like very small numbers for reference. Um, the average tight end either last year or the last couple of years, I can't remember what I what I pulled for my projections, but the, the average I have for tight end is about 7.6 uh, of depth yards of depth for a wide receiver. It's typically about 11.1. So Landry was even in his highest season in Miami was more like uh, like a, an average tight end in terms of how far downfield he was getting his targets. Last year he went to Cleveland and becomes the number one and his average depth of target was 11.7. So it was the highest of his career and it was the highest of his career by four yards. Now they have Odell Beckham, and I'm projecting that to actually come significantly farther down because I, I do use this uh, this depth in my in my projections because it impacts like catch rate, for instance. Shorter passes are caught more, but also it impacts like yards per reception because shorter passes tend to have a lower yards per reception. So um, it's something I look at. I'm projecting that to come down pretty significantly, back down into the eights range. Uh, but I just like I, I can't really figure out Jarvis Landry's role. I can't really figure out how many targets to project him for because I do have Odo Beckham coming in and, and pretty easily leading the team. Uh, he's a really interesting and, and kind of difficult guy to, to to figure out in this new Cleveland Browns offense. Right. So your argument is that he would Landry would have a more Landry like role because he was just doing things that Correct. he hadn't done before in his first year with Cleveland. You bring in Beckham and Landry all of a sudden starts doing the things that made him really good. You know, a top 20 PPR wide receiver four straight years. 
Of course, in those years, he had a major target share every single season. He was first on his team in targets. That's not going to happen. Right now, he's going 61st overall, guys. And I feel the same way that Ben does about Jarvis Landry. I just I kind of struggle with it. I never end up taking him. Um, wh- what do you think about him? That's, that's the second-to-last pick of round. Uh, well, yeah, so 60th overall, I guess, is his ADP. It's tied. So the last pick of round five uh, in a 12-team Every time league. I draft... I find myself moving Jarvis Landry down in my rankings. His 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 average targets per game with Kitchens calling plays was six point nine. That's not nice. And Odell Beckham's now there. I I I think that that's going to be the average target for him this year. So if he's averaging six point nine seven, call it seven, seven targets per game, he's going to catch six of those. He's going to average eight yards a catch. So that's ten or eleven PPR points a week. He's never been that low. I think this is a whole new world for him. And I know he's a really good talent, but I don't see him being a reliable contributor, certainly in non-PPR. Okay. How do you guys feel about him, Jamie and and Heath? Jarvis Landry, 60th overall. It's worse on uh, Fancy Football Calculator. He's the 24th receiver off the board. Where's he going? Oh, that's PPR. Uh, trying to do the math. Uh, middle around five. Okay, so no, it's a little better because on ha- I'm looking at half PPR. Well, I'm, I'm saying worse, worse in terms of where going too soon. Oh, he's going too oh, soon. He's, you're, 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 you would. You're saying I'm, I'm sorry. You're saying he's going higher. No, yeah. no nobody wants him at this cost. Nobody wants him. Yeah, okay, just, there you it, go. <laughs> if he falls to the right spot, it's not a bad situation. But you know, I think it's it's two things. One, it's name recognition. People get you know over excited about names they know and it's the Browns hype you know it's I want a piece of the Browns offense and look there there could be a situation where I know Freddie Kitchens is the one we're looking at but Todd Monken's influence could be great you know I mean we we loved Adam Humphreys when he was getting all those targets last year but if Jarvis Landry is Adam Humphreys that's a terrible ADP not if you're getting that production what do you mean that stretch that Adam Humphreys was was giving us Uh, he was scoring a ton in there that he helped him a lot. He was productive. He, he was he a top thirty wide receiver last year? No, not for the season. No, I but, get I get what you're saying, Jamie, because there was that stretch. It wasn't very long. It was like five was or six weeks. It was a month where he was getting. But good obviously, numbers. Jarvis Landry is much better than Adam Humphreys, or at least he should be. Yeah, you guys, you guys have Landry just outside your top thirty, and we are not willing to commit a, a top sixty pick, uh, top thirty wide receiver, top sixty overall pick on Jarvis Landry. Our next, okay, I am in on Devontae Freeman, Ben. So you have an interesting stat that that makes me a little bit hesitant. In the last three seasons before, you know, he played two games last year, Freeman was RB1, RB6, and RB14 in PPR, and, and basically the same in non-PPR. He was like RB1, RB6, and RB13, or 12 maybe. But I know he's good, and I know the Falcons give him the ball a lot near the end zone. No more Tevin Coleman. I don't really think much of Ito Smith personally. Uh, so I like Freeman. Give me your Devonte Freeman stat. Yeah. So the the thing with Freeman is like Tevin Coleman's gone now. He's been kind of in a in a in a timeshare when he's been healthy. He obviously missed the majority of last season. Is Edo Smith gonna fill this Tevin Coleman role, or does Devonte Freeman potentially have the the chance to be the the more of the number one than he's been over the last couple of seasons? And the stat is just that if you go back to 2015 when he was the number one overall running back that year. He played over 80% of the offensive snaps eight different times. He got at least 25 touches in seven games. In 32 games since then, 
mainly in 2016 and 17 before, you know, missing most of 2018. He's been over 75% of the snaps just one time. Um, so not even getting it really anywhere near that 80% and up threshold that I kind of think of, of as a workhorse back. And he's gotten 25 touches in those 32 games just twice. So, wow. you know, going from doing that uh, almost 50% of the time in that big season he had in 2015 to very rarely doing it. Um, now he's 27 years old. You know, Edo Smith there. They also drafted uh, Kadri Allison. Um, it's a, it, for me, it's kind of tough to imagine that he's going to go back to this workload, you know, later on in his career. So I'm just kind of curious what the thoughts are on that. Yeah. Right. How often do you see it happen with a running back that has, you know, downward production, and then they come back, they say they're healthy, the headlines are good, offensive lines upgraded, all that jazz, and then they come out and they produce at a high level. How often do you see it? Yeah, I don't I do, I, I don't necessarily disagree with what you said, Adam, and I don't have a lot of faith in Edo Smith being good. I don't think it matters. I don't, I don't think it's like they're going to play three or four games and like, man, Edo Smith's not very good. We're going to give De- Devontae Freeman 25 touches a game. I, I just think with his injury history and his age there and the way they've chopped up carries for the last three or four years, they're going to chop up carries. Yeah, they are. They are. But even if Freeman gets hurt or Smith gets hurt, they're just going to chop up carries with Allison and one of these guys. Okay. But, but you know, who's going to get the red zone targets cause or carries cause he's always been very involved. I expect Freeman and he, he's had a 70 catch season, you know, in his history. Are they going to get him back? He won't have that. Are they going to get him back well, as a 50 I, I, What catch? year was that? I'm sorry, Jamie. What year was the 70 catch? 2015, 73 catches, then 54 the I think the Cutter was the OC then, so too. So th- there, there's two things here. First off, no, if you're expecting— uh, Cutter actually came in 20—left uh, after 2014 before okay. Freeman broke out. I did Not check yet. on that. There, there's a couple of things. First off, if you're expecting him to be that same guy, then you should be drafting him in the first two rounds. No, I, I, so, you don't have to. But I think he's got the potential no, but, to perform but, but that way. But you have to have realistic expectations. I, I like Devontae Freeman a lot. I'm not expecting him to get back to that level again. No. But I am expecting him to be a very good fantasy option. We were just talking about this uh, for, for HQ. You know, look at the Rams. The, the Rams have a, a running back situation that they're clearly concerned about no matter what they're saying, right? Because they bring back Malcolm Brown and they go out and they get Daryl Henderson in the draft. If the Falcons were so concerned about Devontae Freeman's health and – you, I mean, I, I talked to Dan Quinn about this. You know, it, it's he likes Edo Smith. I don't think he loves Edo Smith. And they went out and they got a guy in the fifth round. So I, I think it kind of shows you that they're comfortable enough that Devontae Freeman's going to be healthy. Now, clearly, nobody is looking at the running back position saying that guy's guaranteed to play 17 games or 16 games. 17. He's not. He won't play 17. Um, but I, I think you look at offensive line upgrades. Better defense because those guys are healthy. And track record for him. So a 27-year-old version of Devontae Freeman, could he be a top 15 running back? I think that's safe if he plays 16 games. And the upside's better than that because we've seen it. So I'm I'm taking a chance on him at his ADP for sure. Uh, where is he in PPR? He's um, round uh, end of round three. What number 17th, running back? 17th back off the board. Okay. That's perfect. So the one yeah. thing that stood out to me about what, what Ben said is that in 2017, he finishes, I believe it's the 13th running back, 14th, yeah. 14th running back. And those numbers would have led him to be the 16th running back in 2018. 
It's perfect. He only played. He only played 13 games. He played 14 games that year, and he left Week 10 after two carries. So yep. he was a top 15 running back in both formats. Devontae Freeman in 13 games. Uh, you know, I I just think that he's good. One, he's the best guy on the team. He's going to score touchdowns. We like their offense quite a bit. Uh, I just think the hard thing is like we all probably like Devontae Freeman about the same. Maybe I'm a little higher. It's just really hard to to know. You know, Devontae Freeman versus Marlon Mack versus Carrion Johnson versus Philip Lindsay. It's a big group of running backs there that are going to, you know, th- I think throughout the course of the next month, we're going to figure out ways to separate them in our own minds. And, yeah, I, you know, I don't know I where think, to put Freeman in that group. I, I'd put Carrion ahead of him. I'd put Freeman ahead of Mack in PPR for sure. And all those guys right now for sure ahead of Lindsay with the talk coming out of Denver. Yeah, like I, I'm – like the ADP from 15 on, Leonard Fournette's at 15, Marlon Max at 16, Freeman's at 17, Henry's at 18, Carrion's at 19. I'm with you, Heath. The only guy I would take over him in that range is Carrion. So in that range, for me, I'm always looking at like which of these guys have top five potential. I've kind of bashed uh, Derrick Henry a little bit because I don't think he has the receiving workload to, to get there. I think you'd have to just thread a ridiculous needle of rushing efficiency and and touchdowns that would I, I think is a really challenging thing for him to get all the way up to top five value. I definitely think he can return value at his ADP. And so, Jamie, I kind of have a question for you because it sounds like um, with what you were saying, you feel pretty confident Devonta Freeman is going to beat his ADP if he stays healthy for 16 games. And I think no, that's, no, no, no. I, I don't. I think this is the right spot for him. He's the 17th running back on the board in round three. Like that to me is is my expectation for him. That's where I'm ranked. Right. No. No. And I agree. I agree. I mean, I actually completely agree i think he's a little bit too low uh where he's going in terms of what his expectation should be if he stays healthy i I think he's pretty easily going to beat that but my question for you is do you think he has top five upside like legitimate top five upside because i think aaron jones does i think marlon mack might um i think carry johnson does if he gets enough work do you think Devontae freeman has that yes i do too i think almost all of those running backs do though that's why i think a receiver receiver strategy and then two of those guys is a, a I'm probably not going to oh, do it I like it's, it's it's a slam dunk. Well, I like I mean, to go running back receiver with my first two picks, but yes, I I think that those that group of running backs is really exciting. Yeah, I mean I I'll, I'll reference the I know you're going to talk about it, I'm not going to be here for it, but Chris Hassel, uh one of our hosts on CBS Sports HQ, he went in the is non-PPR. He went Devontae Adams at 12 Travis Kelsey at 13, at 13 so the, the round one-two swing. And then he came back and he took Carrion Johnson Marlon Mack. Right. He could have had – I mean, Freeman went a little bit before that, but that to me is perfect. Yep, I agree. It's absolutely perfect. And I don't really think the wide receivers in that late round three into round four range have as much upside. Uh, I don't know well, how this you is, This is, again, non-PPR, so take into account. But uh, Tyree Kill went, was the first receiver in round four. We know what that situation yeah. is. Julian Edelman, Robert Woods. Those are the guys – Brandon Cooks. Right. You know – if you go, you know, take out Kelsey if you don't want to take a tight end. He could have had Devontae Adams and Juju, Adams and Beckham. I mean, I, I would love that in any format, any situation to get to those receivers or Kelsey and, and those two backs. Okay. All right, cool. So we were going to do another uh, stat from, from Ben, but I think we'll move on to our next segment here. We'll talk about James White some other time. We actually talked about White uh, a couple shows ago. Run down some news and notes real quick. Emmanuel Sanders is going to avoid the pup list, guys. That's that's cool. Well, when the Broncos actually start training camp, we'll find <laughs> yeah, out. It's already he is uh, avoided I'm the pup looking list. at videos of him running routes and stopping and going. Currently, it's a, it's encouraging. It's really encouraging. The one thing you got to worry about with 
injuries like this is the second injury. Yep. Because they overcompensate for something. Well, he's smart. Hopefully, it's not the case, but that's usually what happens. Okay. uh, Not a ton of like big news items. So Dan Quinn thinks highly of Austin Hooper. He thinks Austin Hooper is ready to go to another level. Anyone else feel that way? Bad news for Devontae Freeman. Yeah, I mean, it would be bad. I don't see where the targets would come in because Sydney's going to be involved, but particularly Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley, you know, pretty big breakout last year. I expect to take a step forward as well. Tennessee offensive coordinator Arthur Smith said he intends to ride Derrick Henry. That's according to Titans Online. That's a pretty big news item. As long as he was in FedEx, Derrick Henry. <laughs> yes. His father founded FedEx, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Cincinnati rookie running back Rodney Anderson expected open training camp on the pup list. Arizona waived offensive tackle Desmond Harrison. He's facing assault charges. Martavis Bryant applied for reinstatement. And Vikings running back Rock Thomas is suspended three games. Dave, did I say anything there that matters? No. Okay. I mean, after the Arthur Smith FedEx joke? Yeah, yeah, which was great. No, no. Rodney Anderson's probably not going to play this year. Okay. The... 12-team draft that we did on Monday night. So Jamie has to bounce in like two minutes. So we're going to get his... I asked you guys for the most interesting pick. We had a 12-team non-PPR draft on Monday night. Um, Jamie made us draft on a Monday night. It was really mean. But I enjoyed the draft. Went yeah, I'm well. sorry you missed The Bachelor, buddy. I, I I've never <laughs> once... The Bachelorette, whatever it is. Never once seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I could proudly, proudly... See. Oh, it's a CBS show, right? What is wrong with me? Why haven't I watched... The Bachelor and The Bachelorette more often. It's not a CBS show, but good. It's not? Good. Oh, it's on ABC? Here's an edit for the podcast. That show sucks. I'm never watching The Bachelor. Okay, I was right the first time. I asked you guys for the most interesting picks, and Jamie, you said Jimmy Garoppolo. First pick of round 15, 17th quarterback off the board, 169th overall. Jimmy Garoppolo was the most interesting pick of that draft for you. My only quarterback. Now, but, did you do that by design? Um, after a point? <laughs> um so uh, there were some things going on with this draft. Somebody didn't show up, so I was drafting for them. <laughs> and so sometimes I get a little bit confused with the teams that I'm picking for. And I was like, okay, uh, this, that, whatever. I need running backs here, receivers there, put a couple kids to sleep. It was a little hectic. Um, and then it was, uh, I'm like, okay, who's going to take two quarterbacks? Who's going to be that guy? Dave was one. Uh, I forget somebody else did it. And then it got to round... 11, maybe? Round 12? I'm trying to find it. When you I took Garoppolo? It was, it was round 12. It was round oh. 12. Oh, and right. our buddy Jay Darren Darst, the average drafter. What do we call him? The average Joe? Average Joe. Average uh, Jay Darren Darst. Average Jay Darren Darst. He had uh, his quarter, I think, was Roethlisberger. And it was right before I picked. And Russell Wilson was still there. I'm like, all right, great. I waited till round 12. I'll get Russell Wilson. He's not a top 12 guy for me, but just outside, number 13. Perfect. And then he took Russell Wilson. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to take a quarterback until the end. And then it was between Garoppolo and uh, Dak Prescott. And I just took Garoppolo after I took my kicker on purpose. Great job. I mean, getting a top five quarterback in the 15th round is is very impressive. Garoppolo was on pace for 4,900 yards in the five <laughs> games he started in 2017. He'll probably exceed that. I don't see why he wouldn't. No, in, in all seriousness, I mean... Are you okay with ideal. it? Are you okay with I mean, it? Am I okay with it? Yeah. Is it ideal? No. I, I, I have him ranked as a top 15 quarterback. I think there are – you can make a case for about 25 guys that could be number one quarterbacks this year. It's just such a deep position. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd obviously rather have somebody that's a top 10 guy than a top 15 guy or you know, depending on where you have 
somebody like Garoppolo ranked. But it is what it is. Who do they play week one? Tampa Bay. Tampa You're Bay. Good. Oh, You're good. light it up. Great way. To, and then add Cincinnati in week two. Ooh. Great way to start streaming. Streaming. What yeah. What is it that I see in Garoppolo that you don't, Heath? I don't know. <laughs> well, I. What is it that you don't? Where do you have him ranked? Let's start with that. Twenty second ish or something. All right. What is it that you don't 22? like about Jimmy Garoppolo? There's not anything in particular that I don't like. It's just as Jamie was just saying. There's. 20 plus quarterbacks you could make an argument for being a top 12 quarterback i've not seen enough from jimmy garoppolo in his 17 years of limited action to prove to me that he's an elite quarterback he he's fine he's i'm not saying he's below average i don't i don't know yet that he's definitely better than matthew stafford who's your 21st quarterback uh i think andy dalton uh, okay, so you've seen you, enough from Andy Dalton to I have, take Andy him Dalton ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Far more extended stretches of success. Than yes. Jimmy Garoppolo. How much? How many fantasy points do you get for experience? What do you mean? Well, because that's well, what you were asking. What I'd seen out of Andy Dalton, then he has had a season where he was a top five quarterback. Yes, not not he has had up, a season. But I have the Garoppolo go. <laughs> bye, bye, Jamie. Thank you for <laughs> participating. Um, okay, so. Ben, I'll get I you. Think in. Ben, Ben, you have Andy Dalton projected for more fantasy points than Garoppolo, right? Yeah, I haven't just had him. I was just pulling that up. Like Thank they're you. right in that same range. Um, but even if I, you have, even if you have him projected for more fantasy points, I like would you take could, Garoppolo first. Yeah, the, right, 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 upside, baby. Because but, right, but I don't. That's what I. That's the part I don't understand. Is we have seen Andy Dalton be a top five quarterback. Oh my gosh! They, they, there's no way he's not that good. Or two, that was two a different fluky game stretches. Season. He has better. He definitely has better weapons than Jimmy Garoppolo does. I actually, he does have better weapons, but I, I love the 49ers weapon. I think but, that's I mean, a even AJ giant. Green, Tyler Boyd. He has better weapons. He does, but. Kittle, Pettis, all these young receivers, all the guys, all the running backs who can catch passes, and Kyle well, Shanahan. We can all agree that these are quarterbacks that you're going to be able to find late on draft day. Right. It's a matter of who you think has more upside and who you want to start the season off with. Cincinnati week one plays at Seattle. Yeah, D- uh, Dak, uh, Jamie mentioned, was available too, and Dak has a really easy uh, early part of the schedule, yep. uh, of the season as well. Yep. Um, but th- I think the, the broader point, rather than you know, just arguing about Jimmy Garoppolo is Jamie took this strategy to the absolute extreme. And I think what happens a lot of times is people have kind of strategies or, or ideas that they want to do, but they, they kind of just go half, half into it. And they, they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a late round quarterback. But then, you know, they do some other things in their draft, or maybe they need to be targeting depth at a certain position in the middle rounds, but they give up on their late round quarterback strategy. And then it ends up affecting the depth at that other position. Uh, you know, whatever it is, say they went really running back heavy early. They need to be grabbing some mid round receivers and they, they give up on that quarterback late round quarterback idea. Cause they, they see a guy they need to grab. I think the biggest point here from like a strategic perspective is you can, you can take this to the absolute extreme this year. There's a lot of quarterbacks. You can grab Dak Prescott or Jimmy Garoppolo or even Andy Dalton. If you need to, uh, at the, in like almost literally in the last round of a 12 team draft. Um, unless yep. you're in a league where everybody drafts two quarterbacks, then yeah, you probably want to do it a little bit earlier. But you can wait really, really long to get a quarterback this year if you need to and if you want to. Yeah, definitely. All right, Heath, the most interesting pick of this 12-team non-PPR draft for you was Philip Lindsay. He went 39th overall. He was RB22, third pick of the fourth round. Philip Lindsay. And this is another one of those situations kind of like Tampa Bay where it seems like we in the industry all want and expect one thing to happen and all the people associated with the Broncos keep saying another thing. 
But we have had multiple reports now that the Broncos plan on a full committee at running back. Royce Freeman has gotten all the work in the offseason because Philip Lindsay has dealt with a wrist injury and been unavailable. Freeman was drafted higher. Not that that necessarily matters, but it like it's a point of evidence considering we only have one year of data with these two running backs. I don't like I like Philip Lindsay more than I like Royce Freeman. There should not be as big of difference between their ADPs as there is. And as of right now, I would not feel comfortable taking Lindsay in the first four rounds. I took him with the last pick of round four, I think. Uh, in this draft? No. He went in, in 39th. Our three receiver PPR draft yesterday. We're doing the slow draft. Uh, I believe, yeah, I think I took him 48th overall. So and that's PPR. This was non-PPR. All right, Dave, what, what's your take on the Broncos' backfield? Because Lindsey, I mean, was so much better than Royce Freeman last year. But he's right. I mean, the, the, the reports are not great if you're a Lindsey believer. I, I think he was madly efficient. He had 10 oh, yeah. games with 15-plus touches, two games with 20-plus touches, and he averaged about 3.1 targets per game. I've got concerns about this offense being led by Flacco, this offense with play calls being made by Rick Scangarello. Uh, we can say what we want about Vic Fangio and how he'll want to have a conservative offense. Lindsey already had the wrist injury. Is that going to weigh on their minds when they get into short yardage situations? I think he had a good year last year with uh, almost 1,300 total and 10 total touchdowns. I'm going to say he falls shy of that. All that being said, you, you know how I feel about Devontae Freeman. I think I'm still ready to take – I think it'll come down to format where Lindsey is probably going to be the one I'll choose in non, and in PPR I'll, I'll take the chance on Freeman. They're both very close for me as guys who will be middle-of-the-pack RB2s. Royce Freeman missed two games midseason last year. When he came back, that's kind of like what I've been really been focusing on and, and how the carries were divvied up. So, so Lindsey, in the final six games that he played, had 82 carries. Freeman had 42 carries. Lindsey had six touchdowns. Freeman had one. Um, that, that would all be a lot more relevant to me if all of the coaches hadn't changed. Okay, fair enough. Well, and another thing, I, I, th- I feel like we do this a little bit too much, like just generally with rookies like we shouldn't expect rookies to come in and have a monster workload and none of us do we don't expect that from the rookie class this year we're talking about how you know miles sanders or um david montgomery they might work into it and i understand obviously philip Lindsay was a rookie last year as well but um royce freeman's situation is so much is so similar to ron jones's and richard penny's as well which are you know all first or second round running backs last year all in in the situation this year where they're going in similar rounds in the draft, uh, in fantasy drafts, and but they're they're presumed number twos right now, and I think it's so funny that we we don't necessarily expect any of these guys when we think about it before their rookie season to be really 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 productive, but then we I think we put too much weight on their rookie seasons when we look back. Like I think there's you should expect progression, and not necessarily um, that every player is going to be good and be a hit in the NFL, but you should expect guys to step forward like like Calvin Ridley's a guy I'm struggling with a lot we should expect a lot of regression in his touchdowns last year and typically a player with that kind of profile I would fade but I also think he can grow like what he right. did in his rookie season is so good like a lot yes. of rookies don't do that mm-hmm. right so I think yep. he can grow into more targets he can grow into more production because we should expect that from guys in year one to year two 
I, I agree with everything Ben just said, but something caught my ear and I didn't need to clarify it. But is Ben calling Ronald Jones Ron Jones? Because if so, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I said I, that. I did it not. Sounds, it sounds yes, like you did say that. You 100% yeah, sure said you Ron. Yeah. All right, it, that's his name now. Okay, Ron Jones. <laughs> Ron Jones, that's, that's love much it. better than Ronald Jones. Oh, uh, it's great. Uh, no, Ron Jones is gonna be great this year. All right, uh, so Philip Lindsay, good stuff there. Dave, your most interesting pick was fourth overall in the ninth round. Ninth round. I should have said fourth overall. That was uh, kind of deceiving. Hundredth overall. It was Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. How interesting. Marvin Jones um, at hundredth uh, overall. Fourth pick of the ninth round, wide receiver 38. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Marvin Jones was a top five receiver in this format, non-PPR, two years ago. Obviously, we don't expect that again. Uh, also, I must let all of our listeners know there's no way we're getting to draft strategy based on format in today's show. But don't worry. We have like 60 shows coming up uh, before you draft. So. <laughs> but Dave, uh, Marvin Jones, wh- why did that stand out as an interesting pick? Well, first of all, this is a player that we really haven't talked a lot about. And I, I think there's pretty good reason why we haven't talked about him. There's nothing exciting about him. He might be the number two receiver on a run first team with a quarterback who might not be asked to chuck it a lot. Last year in PPR, he had two games above 15 points. He had one, two, three, four games with 12 plus in full PPR. He was equally inconsistent and inefficient in non. Just a question that I want to put out there to to the panel. Why would you draft Marvin Jones? I would say um, this was the ninth round. He has played three seasons in Detroit. He's averaged over 16 games, 60 catches for 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. That is better than a vast majority of the receivers are going to be drafted at that point or later. I think it's great value. Yeah, I, I... I, I think like Heath does in terms of like we we're, we lean on our projections a lot, both of us. And for me, I, I have a decision on Marvin Jones in almost every draft because in my projections, he comes out a lot higher than I want to consider him. I totally understand Dave's point. I don't think he necessarily has like a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a very pass heavy offense. I think he's definitely uh, the number two behind Kenny Galladay, who I think is a much more talented receiver, who I also have a hard time pulling the trigger on because we know this is going to be a run heavy offense. But the reason that you project him really well and he is good value and he makes a lot of sense in this range is he doesn't have much competition for targets. I don't think, you know, Danny Amendola is not going to be Golden Tate. Golden Tate used to get so many targets in this offense. TJ Hawkinson as a rookie tight end, it's really tough for rookie tight ends to come in and be productive right away. He's definitely going to be involved, but he's not going to be like a target hog, I don't think, right away. There's not a lot of other competition. It's Galladay and and Jones, and I, I kind of expect them both to get plenty of targets. Yep. Yeah, wide receiver 38 off the board in this draft. I mean, uh, he, he's not exciting, but sometimes you need unexciting guys that you can throw in in a bye week or as a flex or whatever if you have injuries, and Marvin Jones might be that guy. My most interesting pick in this 12-team non-PPR league was Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, you know, uh, we had that interview with Ben Volan earlier this offseason, and I coincidentally, I'm not saying it was his interview, but it just seems like since then, Sonny Michelle's draft stock just seems to be falling. And he went 52nd overall, fourth pick of the fifth round, RB26. I prefer Tevin Coleman one round later, which is what happened. But I think at that point, like Sonny Michelle, Lamar Miller, and Tevin Coleman 
were three running backs that were picked after the 50th overall pick that have potential workhorse workhorse potential, I should say. We saw what Michelle did in the postseason. 24 carries, 29 carries, 18 carries. He had at least 94 yards and at least one touchdown in all three games. He had six touchdown runs in a Super Bowl run. So you could have, in a non-PPR league, 52nd overall, man, like Sony Michelle could have been a major, major steal there. Uh, and I like that pick. I liked it a lot. Thoughts? Yeah, we just, we don't know. We don't know if that's going to be a major steal or not. We have to wait and see if he's ready to go for training camp. And his his draft stock could very easily rise if he doesn't miss any practice, looks good. We see him in a preseason game. Oh, look, he scores a goal line touchdown. Yep, Sony Michelle's back. You want to have that touchdown hog in the Patriots offense because it's an offense that typically scores a lot of touchdowns. Hello analysis. Um, it's just a matter of him actually being Hello. ready to go. And right now, I think there's a little pessimism about that knee being ready. Yeah, and I think like there's just in non PPR, there are fewer things that worry me about Michelle. But yeah. there it's the injuries for one. It's the Belichick factory factor for two, which kind of leads to the touchdown situation. And that, yes, he scored a lot of touchdowns in the playoffs. He had a four week stretch in the regular season where James Devlin scored like seven more touchdowns than he did. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it's the no pass catching. Sure. No, look, I, I I get it. I, I, I think all reasons to be afraid of Michelle, but I do think that 52nd overall, when most of the lead running backs are off the board, it's like it's pretty I, good. I, I think um, the comparison between Sony Michelle and Lamar Miller's upside is laughable. Sony Michelle might have twice as much upside as Lamar Miller has. If I had to bet my life on one of those backs getting a thousand yards this year, it would be Lamar Miller. Yeah, I mean, so there's two two stats that two things that I've looked at that I think are relevant. Today's point about how much scoring there is in this offense. I was looking at total running back touchdowns by team earlier this offseason. The Saints below that category way, but the Patriots are consistently right behind them if you average it over a multi-year stretch. They their running backs combined for over 20 touchdowns most seasons. But in the last five years, none of their backs other than one season has rushed for more than six touchdowns because they do spread it around to, to his point about James Devlin. Tom Brady does some QB sneaking and they also like to hurry up to the line when they're in passing formations and they catch a pass down to the, you know, inside the five and do run, run quick with James white, which is how he ends up with typically four or five rushing touchdowns a year, even on low carry, you know, carry volume. Cause he gets a few of these hurry up carries at the goal line. So the one exception, obviously, to to guys not getting uh, more than six rushing touchdowns is the year Garrett Blunt had 18 rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, you can definitely chase that upside. It's there. Like, if, if one guy gets the full goal line work like that, like Blunt had, yeah, he could be a monster. But I kind of think in this iteration of the of the Patriots offense where they, they hurry up to the line, where Brady does a lot of QB sneaking at the goal line, where they started using James Devlin, like he said— I kind of think he has a hard time getting to that touchdown upside in this iteration of the offense. And then without the receiving, like, it's tough. The great thing is if you don't like this iteration, it'll probably change four times throughout the season. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, look, I, think if, I think if Michelle is given the opportunity at the start, you know, and they're not just going to take it away from him unless he loses it. You know, like the Patriots, I don't think they're quite as fickle with running backs as it's been made out to be. There have been plenty of examples of guys getting plenty of work. That's a weird stat that you mentioned about the lack of six, six, more than six rushing touchdowns. 
But I think the Patriots would commit to him if he plays well. Uh, just a matter of him getting healthy and playing well. And we'll yeah, see. And to your point, Michelle had six in the regular season last year and then added some in the playoffs. So, like, it's not true. If you, if you give him some credit for that, like, it's, it's not out of the question. And he missed how, three games. How many thousand yard rushers have they had in that stretch, though? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have it up in front of me, but pro- like I don't think a lot. You know, they they, they tend to rotate. But right? Michelle had 931 rushing yards and six touchdowns in 13 games. So, if he just does that over 16 games, that's worth the 52, 52nd overall pick, right? I mean, he was he yeah. was the number 25 running back in non PPR last year, and in 13 oh, yeah, I think, games, I think it is yes. And and off the board, he was 26th off the board in this draft. All right. It gets back to like, what are you looking for in that range? And for me, I'm looking for guys that have top five upside, and I don't think Michelle has it. So he's a guy that I I haven't drafted in any leagues, but and even, probably won't. Even in that range, because I don't think anyone left on the board has realistic top five upside. The, the next two running backs were next three running backs in non PPR were Tariq Cohen, Lamar Miller, and Tevin Coleman. Sure, that's why I don't draft running backs in that range, and I get them later because those guys later. If you target guys in good offenses, they do have. Upside, but James Conner, Alvin Kamara, if if you know a, a workload opens up in front of them, uh, you know prior seasons, James Conner 2018, Alvin Kamara in 2017 were later round picks. So I I actually wrote an article recently. It'll it'll be up on CBS, but it's and it's in our magazine. It's called the Running Back Dead Zone. That's a range that to me is like kind of off limits for running backs because they don't have the upside anymore, and I'd rather target backups in good offenses later that I think actually have more upside than guys like Sonny Michelle if they Plus get the you opportunity. Can, and you can attack good receivers and tight ends right. in that range. Too. Right. Okay. Yep. I get it. Alright guys, so I, I do apologize to our listeners for not getting to all the topics I thought we'd get to today, but again, uh, plenty of time to talk about strategies and uh, enjoy enjoy your weekend, everyone. For Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, for Ben, I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you on Monday. Uh, I'm fantasy football today. Na 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 na. na, 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 na. na, na, na.